0: up, y'all. You're listening to the Extra Point College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Carnes, joined as always by my co-host, Daniel Hammock. Daniel, it's been been quite a week of news for college football, but we're going to make some Pac-12 picks while we wait for the dust to settle with the Oklahoma and Texas situation. Let's talk some Pac-12.
1: Yeah, this is exactly what everybody is looking forward to, the Pac-12 North specifically, with my Oregon Ducks, but... Yeah, definitely excited to uh, chop it up and, you know, we'll we'll pick the Pac-12 as it is. Who knows? Things might change, like you said, with this dust settling. We might have some more news. Who knows?
0: Let's go ahead and jump right in with the Pac-12 North. And as we've done with every other conference, let's begin with the predicted in order of finish. So the predicted top team in the Pac-12 North. And we're going with a team that only got two votes by the media this week on Pac-12 media days to win the Pac-12 North. That's the Washington Huskies. So Washington, coming off of a season last year during COVID, in which they went 3-1, and one, they won the Pac-12 North, did not play in the Pac-12 championship, but number 15 in returning production in the country. So a lot of guys returning. Daniel, what are we thinking about the Washington Huskies?
1: Yeah, so it's, it's crazy. Jimmy Lake going into his first year last year, and I think a lot of people were kind of on the wait and see with him. And what does he do at his, you know, as we were calling it, year zero for most of these coaches? I guess since he'd been on staff, it was more of a year one for him. But he goes out and wins the Pac-12 North, just like you said. Um, this team, I mean, they're, they're one of these that just kind of gets the job done. It's not pretty. They don't have, you know, these five-star recruits. They didn't out-recruit Oregon. Oregon's definitely the more flashy of the programs. But, you know, Washington just seems to be this kind of tried and true team. We're definitely kind of betting on their coaching ability. And, you know, offensively, they return seven starters, um, really eight starters. when you include the running backs. So, uh, and then defensively, they have seven starters returning as well but really that defensive line is going to be a problem. A lot of these guys, you're going to see them, their name's called in the uh, NFL draft. They're going to be playing on Sundays. Washington kind of has like a nice little pipeline going uh, to the NFL from that D line, but quarterback, obviously is back. Dylan Morris is a sophomore this year, had a pretty good year last year in that limited time, Uh, you know, almost 900 yards passing. Um, You know, only played four games. So definitely a, a good season for him um, and they return all their offensive linemen. That's always big yeah, for teams that don't recruit well out of high school. The transfer portal has gotten to be so much more important and they've used it well, but bringing in some other big time power five players are a bit, at least from big time power five schools. So Giles Jackson, the wide receiver coming from Michigan. Um, that's big. He was a former four-star Jalen Polk, we're expecting him to start uh, this season. He uh, is from Texas Tech, from that air raid system, so definitely coming in with some with some juice. Uh, Brendan Radley Hiles, uh, Oklahoma transfer. He's a cornerback. Um, then you got some another you know defensive end, Jeremiah Martin, coming in from Texas A and M. And then last but not least, Patrick O'Brien, Patty O'Brien, uh, quarterback coming in, probably going to be the backup, um, but from Colorado State. He was a former four-star, so, you know, you've got some talent in that room. You've got some guys that are going to push Dylan Morris, so it's not just going to be handed to him. I think that's the biggest key takeaway I take here, Um, and just offensively, I feel like, you know, continuity and year-over-year, bringing in a couple of these transfer wide receivers, guys who've done it at this level before, I think that's really going to take them Uh, to the next level and make them a very formidable team over the course of a longer season. You know, last year, obviously, it was only four games, so we got to see four-game sample size. We'll see how it translates to this year. Um, Really high on that defensive line, though. I really think that that's going to win them some games. They're going to play, you know, solid offense. Defense is going to be good under Jimmy Lake, but that defensive line is going to wreak some havoc.
0: Year two of Jimmy Lake. Like you said, defense should be sick. And Jimmy Lake's scheme is awesome on defense. Defensive line should be great. That defense should be good enough to win them eight games. So defense is good enough to win eight games. You know, can they get a couple more wins? We think so. Number 15 in returning production. uh, They return every scholarship offensive lineman. And so with, you know, a projected starter of Dylan Morris, redshirt freshman quarterback, a great thing to help you on quarterback. How about a great offensive line? They should have the best offensive of the line in the Pac-12, and that includes offensive tackle Jackson Kirkland. Um, Trent McDuffie will be one of the best corners in the country this year on defense. Schedule-wise, they don't get USC or Utah out of the South, and they play Oregon, Arizona State, and their rival, Washington State, all at home. And so we've got Washington going 10-2, and 8-1 and one in the Pac-12. We've already talked about that Michigan game. And that would put them atop the Pac 12 South. And I'll say, you, you, you got to use your resources here. Another big reason for this is Washington is Phil Steele's number one surprise team for the Phil Steele fans out there. And a record of this this is, he defines a surprise team as a team that's not in his preseason AP top 10. And uh, like who he thinks will be the best outside of the projected preseason AP top 10. So he projects the AP top 10 in February, in which in the last decade, he's gotten uh, 106 out of 110 teams correctly uh, over the last 11 years, excuse me. And number one this year is Washington. Last year, his number one was Texas A&M, who was a game away from the playoff. Uh, in 2018, it was Notre Dame who made the playoff. see, um, I skipped 2020. In 2020, it was, oh my goodness. I lost my spot here. 2020 Texas A&M, 2019 was Utah. And Utah controlled their own destiny going into that Pac-12 championship where they only had one loss before losing to Oregon. 2018 was Notre Dame. They made the playoff that year. So a team that's his number one surprise team, usually I circle and say I need to raise my expectation a little bit. So it's like 24-7 with the rankings. If a kid's getting a Bama offer, you might as well go reevaluate. Right, just double check uh, Yeah, we we were already pretty high on Washington, and I was like, ooh, we need to really take a good look at Washington because maybe Oregon's not the runaway favorite in the Pac-12 North, which we'll talk about them in just a second and why I'm skeptical. But Washington 10-2. The schedule lines up really well. I like Washington to be really good this year, and I wouldn't be surprised if they beat Michigan in Week 2, even on the road. So I'm excited for that game, excited to watch year two of Jimmy Lake, excited to watch the Huskies this season.
1: And they get, they get Oregon at home, like you mentioned. That's going to be the biggest key. And I'd be remiss if I didn't at least mention Zion uh, Tupuola-Fatul on the defensive line. You know, I was talking about the defensive line. He had seven sacks last year. I didn't realize how many he had. I knew he was in the backfield a bunch, but seven sacks last year in that four-game season. So definitely want to see what his production is over the course of the whole season. Um, obviously, they're probably going to be keying on him a little bit more now, but um, with that, I definitely want to, you know, point you guys in the right direction with us on social media. You need to follow us at the Extra Point Pod on both Instagram and Facebook, um, go to the link tree, get us on YouTube. You can see our beautiful faces. Um, and then, you know, any content that we have this visual, it's going to be there. Um, you know, like, and subscribe on YouTube so that we can, you know, do what we need to do there. Um, and then subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, and on Apple, if you're an Apple listener, like most people are, uh, if you could leave us a five star review, that helps us out a ton. Um, put a comment in there. Have us, you know, we'll get to it on our next mailbag. If you have something left, we got, you know, Pac-12 South next week and then we're into the SEC. So if you've got something you want us to talk about, Cartwright, it's your time. All right. Do it.
0: That brings us to the Oregon Ducks. So, Oregon coming off of a 4-3 and three season, which they did not win their division, but they did win the Pac-12. So, good for Oregon. Not bitter about that, uh, That you know, pick fight we had at the end of last year, but here we are. Uh, Oregon, this is year four of Mario Cristobal. Oregon Ducks. Obviously, we have them finishing second in the North, but... I feel like we're still pretty high in Oregon.
1: Yeah, and it's it's funny because it's kind of the opposite of what we just talked about with, with Washington. So we we feel less strong about them as maybe someone else does, but we still have them as a 10-2 team. Um, if I have that correct, yes, we do. So, yeah, 10-2. 10-2. <laughs> but uh, it's like they are the team that does recruit very highly. They are the team that does these other things well, whereas, you know, Washington, you know, they are the flashy team where Washington's not. So, you know, they, they've got the, obviously the number one recruits out of um, the Pac-12 this year. They, you know, beat out USC. They had a higher recruiting class. Ty Thompson, you and I have both circled at quarterback. If he ends up as the starter, his ceiling is much higher than what they're projected to do with Anthony Brown. Um, I do think that he can. You can win games with Anthony Brown, but you're not going to win because of him. Uh, but offensively, seven returning starters, and then defensively, seven t- returning starters as well. Um, obviously, Tyler Shook, um transferred to Texas A&M, or excuse me, Texas Tech, not Texas A&M, Texas Tech, and so that was kind of a uh, a shock. But that told you what they were anticipating at quarterback. I think he was not necessarily running from competition, but I think he knew that it was going to be a crowded quarterback room and he wanted to get out while he could. Um, I mean, defensively, Kayvon Thibodeau, he was the number one player ranked by ESPN when he came out, Um, and he's been every bit of it um, since he's been at Oregon. I think he's going to have a huge, huge year on the defensive line, Um, and he's going to be a a top ten pick in the NFL draft. Probably top five, um, as long as he just keeps keeps on the you know on the path he's going. Um, Noah Sewell, uh, yeah, the younger brother of P'nay Sewell, who was you know top five pick last year on the offensive line. Uh, Noah Sewell is a middle linebacker who's just got freakish ability um, at that spot. I definitely think that with all these five stars that they've got all across the board, they're going to be very difficult to. Very difficult to beat week to week so they're only going to be they're they're only going to lose to teams that are better than them and obviously that's what we have with ohio state we expect ohio state to be better and then when you go to um, to washington they're having to travel there so other than that i think they're going to have their way in the pac-12
0: oregon's loaded with talent you mentioned it they've recruited incredibly well better than any pac-12 team They're number nine in returning production in the country. Um, This is the most weapons Oregon will have on offense probably since 2014 when they went to the playoff. So, like, loaded with weapons. The defense might have three first-round picks in the front seven. You mentioned Kayvon Thibodeau. Here's my hesitation with Oregon. You mentioned it. Who's playing quarterback? If it's Anthony Brown, I think 10-2 and is the ceiling. And so when I say we're high on Oregon, Anthony Brown's the projected starter. So I'm putting them at their ceiling with Anthony Brown. Right. Uh, it, and if he's the projected starter, then I, again, 10, ten to to their ceiling. I think Ty Thompson raises that ceiling. I think they can go 11-1 with Ty Thompson. That may not sound like a lot raising the ceiling, but they do play at Ohio State in week two. So <laughs> I just don't see either a true freshman, uh, Ty Thompson, going into Columbus and winning or I definitely don't see Anthony Brown going to Columbus and winning in week two. So they play their five toughest games away from home. So schedule is another thing with Oregon where literally they go at Ohio state at Stanford at UCLA at Washington at Utah. Those are your five t- toughest games on your schedule. They're all on the road, like true road games. So, with that, ten and two is a great season for Oregon, given those circumstances. I do think eleven and one is possible, if you play Ty Thompson at quarterback, and if you're eleven to one with your only loss being Ohio State, you go into the Pac-12 championship and maybe beat a Utah or USC that has one or two losses. Like you're setting yourself up to be in the playoff. Trust me, the committee would is dying to put a Pac-12 team in if they're there. Right. Like there's no bias against it. It's just Pac-12 has not put their best foot forward. Someone's so, got to
1: be there. Yeah.
0: Maybe it's, you know, after the Ohio State game, they go to Ty Thompson at that point and the Ty Thompson era begins and then you get a full like two and three quarters season with your future quarterback. But I am limiting Oregon ceiling so long as Anthony Brown is playing quarterback at Oregon. Now it should be noted, new offensive coordinator, Joe Moorhead, formerly of Mississippi State, before that Penn State. So great offensive mind. And they got Tim DeRuiter from... Cow, who's also a great defensive coordinator in Oregon this year. So, some cool additions off the field. Excuse me, not off the field. Just some cool additions in the offseason for Oregon <laughs> uh, at the coordinator spots. but two new coordinators. So, we'll see what the Ducks do this season. Let's go to third in the division. A team that I've been lower on, especially going into last year. And I remember us, like, having to go back and forth about this. But Stanford. The Stanford Cardinal, a team that won like three Pac-12 championships last decade uh, have kind of fallen off a little bit, but Stanford coming to the season after probably having COVID affect them as bad as anyone last year, given their location and state and city and all that kind of stuff, university, all of that. But coming off a four and two season, uh, a season in which they won their last four games in a row. So some optimism for Stanford heading into the off season. What are we looking for for Stanford this year?
1: Yeah, so it, I think the best way to describe this, Jacob, is those first two teams, they're on one tier by themselves. And then this next group is really going to be difficult to, you know, it's it's really circumstantial based on their schedule. A lot of these teams we're going to talk about are very similar. All four, like literally all, all four. Yeah, the, the rest of them. So, I mean, uh, defense returns eight starters, which is always important, especially that back end, they return everybody. Uh, in the secondary and then, you know, three linebackers. So that's huge as far as, um, you know, defending, you know, what everybody does now, everybody, everybody throws the ball. So that's huge in and of itself. Obviously offensively they have six returning starters back. Um, they did lose Davis Mills to the NFL. Um, so they've got, you know, Jack West is probably their, proje- is their projected starter right now. Uh, He's a senior. We'll see how things go um, early in the season. If they want to turn younger, you know, they could go. um, Tanner McGee, Um, he's a sophomore. So that's, you know, it's going to be tough to determine uh, what they are early in the season. I think we're going to have to see the season kind of play out, um, you know, and their, their schedule, like we said, it's a mixed bag. So we have, you know, we have them, winning some games that, you know, we expect them to win like Vanderbilt and then we have them, you know, losing some games that we expect them to lose like USC. So it's tough and we'll have to see how they do over the course of the season.
0: Stanford ended on four straight wins. Um, and really it's because they kind of went back to their identity. You know, they're like a Wisconsin in that like they returned to a little bit of a smash mouth offense in those four wins, uh, They haven't finished in the top 25 since 2017. That was that Rose Bowl season. Christian McCaffrey was there, their running back. And that was what Stanford was used to. I mean, 2016, they were 10 and 3, 2017, 9 and 5. And since you know, 18, 9 and 4, it finished outside. 19, 4 and 8. Last year, 4 and 2. So I'm like, was 19 the outlier? And I remember saying going into last season that I think that was the new norm with Stanford. Was that they weren't, you know, they weren't recruiting as high as they were. Like, there's a draw for them being an academic institution and like a little bit of history there. But I, I was selling Stanford going into the last season. Of course, we didn't get a full season, so we couldn't really see it play out. Um, I'm kind of back in the middle, which is kind of indicative of how we've predicted it. Like six and right. six for Stanford, especially when you're in this tier where we think the Pac-12 North is two tiers, like Oregon and Washington are one tier. And then everybody else was on tier two, <laughs> and and they're all right there together. And that's not—I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't necessarily think it's a great thing. I just think that you have a bunch of the same teams, and so um, they should be able to run the ball with Jones. Uh, they should have enough quality receivers and tight ends to be versatile on offense. They really need McKee to step up and be good at quarterback and master this offense for them to take enough to, for them to take a step forward. Um, they need several unproven defenders. Like Mezen and Haran to shore up uh, the front seven. They also play 12 power five teams. They're the only team in the country that has an all power five schedule. That's on top of that, they get the best teams from the Pac 12 South on their schedule. So, six and six is me being back and high on Stanford, us being high on Stanford, especially given their schedule, um, who they play from the South, and just where they're at. So, I think six and six is a, is a, Bounce back a year, make a bowl game, and take that and go into the next season, recruit better. Maybe you go seven and five, eight and four the next year. Let's go to the other team in the Bay Area, the California Bears. So Cal, this is year what, five of Justin Wilcox. Yeah, year five of Justin Wilcox. Um, they returned a bunch of starters. We're one and three last year. Again, another team were given their location conference, whole situation last year with COVID. Probably it affected them a lot more than other schools. Like we said, that about a lot of schools, but <laughs> especially Cal. Well, we've been uh, talking
1: about the Big Ten and the Pac 12 the past few weeks. And that's so true. That's probably they, why it feels like they that were way. probably the most affected. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Uh, I mean,
0: what thoughts on the Bears? Yeah. The so, I Bears? mean,
1: the offense. So, the past few years, their defense has really been a big talking point. They've had a good defense, they've had um, a lot of games that were decided because of their defense and everything, and obviously we talked about McGruber, um, McGruder, McGruder, their defensive coordinator leaving. Yes. Um, for for Oregon. DeRuder. Um DeRuiter.
0: Oh my god! Like, what are you trying to say? <laughs> I was like, Tim DeRuiter. That's it. A- please
1: please look at me and help me. All right.
0: I'm I'm like listen. I'm like. DeRuder, Tim DeRuder. See,
1: you only get this if you're watching on YouTube because you see me asking for how- <laughs> Jacob was moving to his next note so he's ready. Uh anywho, yeah, Tim DeRuder. Um, he's gone, and you, you gotta see if if the defense is gonna do the same thing. They only have four returning starters coming back from last year, so production's gonna be down, all these different things. Yes, it was only four game season. Um is it sustainable? Are they going to still be that defensive presence? Um, we'll have to see with Wilcox, if that's going to be kind of an identity going forward, or if this is something that's coming to pass, but offensively, you've got to be excited about chase Garbers coming back for your senior year. Um, he's definitely going to be that unquestioned leader on offense. You've got four out of five returning starters on offensive line, you know, two of your uh, top three receivers coming back from last year. Um, and then, you know, a, a bevy of running backs just in the backfield that are all going to rotate in. So I, I think that they're set up to be pretty solid on offense. But that question mark on defense where, you know, this is a team that I know you're you're you you had some anxiety picking this, Jacob. We kind of got to a point where we're like, hey, what are they? You know, are they a team that's going to be kind of in the middle of the pack? Or are they going to? You know, be a little bit better? Are they gonna be create their own tier? What are they?
0: Wilcox came in, took over a five and seven team that was giving up like 42 points a game. And in year one, like they went five and seven, but their defense is giving up twenty-four points a game. So like Wilcox has had a great effect on this defense, the defensive minded coach. He did lose his defensive coordinator, but I trust the defense can be pretty good under Justin Wilcox, as long as he's at Cal. What's giving me anxiety is we're picking Cal to go six and six. Again, it's based on the schedule. Uh, they get TCU out of conference. They play at Washington, at Oregon, at UCLA. Uh, you know, they get USC out of the South, at Arizona. I'm just kidding. That's not really a, a tough game. But uh, and then I will look at the pattern of like how he's been since getting to Cal, and they went five and seven the first year, seven and six eight and five last year. It's hard, you know, with the COVID year one and right. three, but was turning that program around. So is six and six, like a, Hey, we're just going to like get, you know, here's our new floor. Cause I think this team can go eight and four. Like, I really do think they can go eight and four. And so they had
1: their least amount of losses last year under Wilcox. So that. <laughs> that's
0: for what it's worth. <laughs> yeah, they Only lost three games. They played four, but they only lost three. Uh, Yeah. So I, we're picking them to go six and six. I fully believe – I have a Wake Forest feeling about this one that this team could go eight and four.
1: Oh, that we're mistaken. Yeah, I can see that. So, I see we'll that. see. They're a team that I've, I – when I see their name, I feel better about them than where I put them. But, man, college football is a humbling thing, man. You'll – you know, if you pick someone too high, they come low – you know, they get – lose six games. So
0: – I mean, I feel bad for our friend David Cobb, who joined us for our last episode. So – Go back and listen to our last episode about or Oklahoma, Texas, the SEC, the whole situation. David Cobb of CBS Sports, uh, he was saying he picked Cal to win the Pac-12 North last year. Like he was all in on Cal in the Pac-12 North, and then of course the the COVID season happened. So I hope Cal is better for David Cobb. That's that's what I hope. I'm rooting for yeah. Cal, for their biggest fan, David Cobb. <laughs> um let's go to washington state so nick rolovich year two or really kind of you know year zero last year year one this year whatever you want to call it second year at washington state uh the post leach era for washington state they also went one and three last year this is a team that i really don't know what to expect from them like i could see them going three and nine and i could see them going seven and five so how are we feeling about the Cougs.
1: Yeah. So coming, they, they're coming off, like you said, a one in three season. So it's, it's kind of the cool thing to do is to go one in three in the COVID year, but uh, they, they return a ton of production. They return a ton of starters. So eight returning on offense, seven on defense. You'd like to think that that's going to translate into maybe some growth, but again, it's for one in T one and three team that we didn't know a whole lot about as is. So Um, Looks like the uh, Max Borgie is going to start at running back this year. Last year, he was more of the reserve, the kind of the second guy. Um, And he averaged over nine yards of carry. Granted, he had 10 carries. So that's something to keep in mind. (laughs) But he's very effective. They have, you know, five or excuse me, four out of the five for turning offensive linemen. So that'll be big um, for them kind of keep things going, but, you know, I'm not sure where to really settle on them. They're a team that you and I talked about where, Hey, they could go seven to five, six and six, you know, that kind of area, or they can be, you know, the team that other people beat, you know, and it's one of those things where it's just unfortunate because, you know, you could be high on somebody and they could lose games and they could have a, uh, you know, a losing season because not everybody can win. So I think that they are the recipient of some losses that are just kind of untimely for them, the way their schedule lines up, and um, you know it's it's something that we're going to have to look at a, a team that you know we both could probably see going like I said seven and five, we have them going four and eight,
0: four and eight with two Pac-12 wins, so that's why they're ahead of Oregon State. We have winning head to head, we have Washington State winning head to head against Oregon State, so. Yeah. Washington state, Nick Rolovich, the, the run offense was good last year. They need to make some strides in the passing game uh, to take that next step forward. Reaching a bowl game Again, I think all these teams are on the same tier it's a realistic to reach a bowl game. I just believe in Stanford and Cal more than I believe in Washington state. So there's, there's two wins to reach a bowl game. And I, I'm trusting Stanford and Cal more than Nick Rolovich right now. <laughs> they can change my mind this year. Right. Um, you know, Leach's last season, they went six and seven. So a complete system change. I'm not going to say it's as dramatic as like going from the triple option to something else, but it, it was a dramatic change on offense. Like Leach's system is very different. And so getting that running attack good last year was great. Like, I think that's great progress. And the passing attack needs to come along, but four and eight for Washington State, similar to Oregon. They play their toughest games on the road. They go at Utah, at Cal, at Arizona State, at Oregon, at Washington. Those are five very tough road games all the way from home. Four and eight, but I expect to see progress over last year for Washington State. Last, we have the Oregon State Beavers, which I wish we didn't have finishing last in the division because again, we've said it a few times. I really feel like all four of these teams are on the same tier in the Pac-12 North. But Oregon State, coming off of a not one and three, but a two and five season, <laughs> for uh, they got seven games in last year. Head coach Jonathan Smith, fourth year here, and again, this is a team that I wanted to believe in because of progress being made. And 18, they went two and ten. 19, five and seven. Uh, last year's two and five, but. I think that upward trajectory was not false in that year one to year two. So, I mean, he took over a team that won one 11. So, in his first season doubled their right. wins. So, I mean, he, <laughs> huge accomplishment to double the amount of wins. But what are your thoughts on the Beavers?
1: So, they're very similar to Washington State in that – or, yeah, to Washington State in that they, coming off a rough year last year, have a lot of returning players in production – um, yeah, I knew that you were obviously high on, you've been high on Jonathan Smith for a while now, um, and kind of what he's, what he's about there. Uh, but eight returning starters on offense, seven on defense, really, you could say nine because, you know, they are returning all the quarterbacks, but we're not listing it, you know, in this magazine right here, they don't have it listed as a starter. So nine on offense, um, uh, they, they played three quarterbacks last year and two really split time, which was, uh, Tristan get Javia and uh, Chance Nolan. So uh, Chance Nolan seemed to be more effective, um, had a better touchdown-interception ratio. But, you know, it's going to be a good battle. Um, and Jonathan Smith, obviously a former quarterback, that's going to be kind of his M.O. Is, is is the quarterbacks as they go. Um, you know, defensively, I don't really know what to expect from them. I mean, seven returning starters, I, I see that. I think that they can improve year over year. Um, But what is that going to translate to against the best teams that they play? Um, We do kind of like them kind of getting back to more of a normal, you know, Oregon State middle of the the pack. Um, Obviously, they're picked last in the division, like you said, because of that head-to-head loss with Washington State. Um, But we still have them having a respectable season, Um, They will miss Jamar Jefferson who had a great year last year running the ball. Um, He, he averaged six and a half yards of carry and had seven touchdowns in that short season. So, um, you know, in only seven games. So we'll see um, if they can find someone to replace him.
0: Yeah. I feel bad that Oregon State's sitting here at the bottom of the division uh, for a lot of the reasons you said Uh, schedules decent. I mean, out of the South, they do get USC and Utah, so that's who we think are the best two teams in the South. So you get both of those teams. We got them going five and seven, so a game overall above Washington State, but same division, same conference record. So, and we have Washington State win that head-to-head game, but five and seven should be again a year to get back on track and then to build on it next year. Maybe next year is that seven to five, like. We're going 9-3. and three. We'll see. It's the Pac-12. Doors wide open, like, yeah. all the time in the Pac-12. So, uh, this is not a team that needs to hit a million different variables in order to have success. They have a great foundation of skilled players. They're good on the offensive line. They have some impact pieces on the front seven for defense. So, I like Oregon State. I like Jonathan Smith. I'd love to see them make a bowl game this year. We'll see. It's not impossible. Again, I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the bottom four teams of this division finish in any order. Would not surprise right. me at all. Would not shock me. Uh, this is just the order we have it in. So 5-7 and seven for Oregon State, the Beavers, and that wraps up the Pac-12 North. Next week, we'll get the South. Then we got the SEC, and then we're diving right into national predictions. So, near Six games, college football playoff, national championship game, national champion, Heisman Trophy.
1: It's almost Next here, y'all. Year,
0: we're preseason top 25, all of it. It's, I, I can, I can smell it at this point. It hit me the other day that we're in the thirties before college football. And I got really excited. It's like, oh yeah. it went from a hundred to like 30, like that, like it has flown by. I'm so glad we started doing these prediction episodes when we did Because It's like, Oh yeah, we're almost done. And I'm thinking, Oh, that means the season's almost here because right. the way we timed it out. So man, I, you, you were texting me about it today. We are just excited for college football.
1: Yeah, it's the best time of the year, um, that opening weekend. That opening week is just perfect. Uh, they do week zero now because we can't wait until week one. And then you got a Wednesday game. You got a million Thursday games, a million Friday games, Saturday games, like per usual. And then you got that Sunday night game now. And then like Chick-fil-A kickoff has capitalized on having that Monday night Labor Day night game. So it's just like that opening weekend is just what it's all about. So getting us kicked off in style, and we're not that far away.
0: We will be back next week with the Pac-12 South. Well, that will do it for this edition of The Extra Point. You can follow him on Twitter at DeepSouthDaniel. You can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Carnes with a K. See ya.